And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Jake Novak. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at JakeJakeNY or NovakJake on Parler, which is a alternative, which is an, an alternative to Twitter, which does not censor pretty much any voices unless they incite violence. And that's important because Twitter and Facebook, of course, have been censoring people left and right out of control, in my opinion. Um, and uh, m- myself included. So uh, you might have to switch over to Parler pretty soon, but for now you can still catch me on Twitter at JakeJakeNY. And of course, the big topic we're all talking about now is the apparent election, the, the apparent election results. And I say apparent because, and, I, and I'll explain this in detail, and I will back up this statement. But folks, there's no denying in my heart, in my mind, that this was a stolen election, that this election is not legitimate. And there's a Peshat and Drash explanation for that. For those of you who don't know what that means, Peshat is sort of like the on-its-face t- uh, explanation. This is the way that we, when you learn Torah and Yeshiva, you learn about Peshat and Drash, which, is, which could be, Peshat can be something like explaining something that happened in the Bible and just explaining that this word was spelled a different way or it looked a different way, and that explains the reason why there was an issue with it. Drash is much more of a deep dive into an explanation, we might get we might get a, a parable, we might get a, a psychological a discussion, a much deeper explanation. So the Peshat is very simple on this one. We've got dozens and dozens of instances of people who uh, of ballots that don't make sense. We have districts where there was two hundred percent voter participation, which of course is not mathematically possible. We have members of the U.S. Postal Service who have given video statements and signed affidavits about how they were told to backdate the envelopes on the vote by mail uh, ballots so that they would be accepted and not thrown out. We've got a lot of instances like this. You need to look them up now before they're expunged from the the internet because there's a strong effort going on right now by the Google Twitters and Facebooks of the world to erase these accounts, but they're all there and there's going to be more of them. We have cases of machines that were tabulated wrong or sorry, I should say calibrated wrong to count the election incorrectly. We've got a lot of that. But more importantly than all the numbers, and I want to get into the drosh, and this is a lot of what I talked about last week on the program here on, Nachum, uh, on the Nachum Siegel Network on Novak Now, when I talked about how just culturally you have to understand that there are two states in the United States that are key, key swing states in our presidential elections because they are so representative. The populations and the geography and the makeup of those states, the economies of those states are so heavily representative of the rest of the country that they really tell you what those states do in their elections really tell you about the country at large in a way that no other states can. And those two states are Ohio and Florida. Now, President Trump won Ohio, and he won it by more than he did in 2016, just a little bit more, percentage-wise. And the other state is Florida. And President Trump also won Florida, also by more than he did in 2016, actually quite significantly so. And it's a drosh. It's not something I can show you on a, on, a, on a tabulation. I can't show you on a mathematical problem, but I can only tell you from what I understand about this country, and I think I, I understand it quite well, that you cannot win Ohio and Florida in a presidential election and legitimately lose a presidential election. It just doesn't happen. It's a cultural anomaly. It doesn't make sense. And again, we could spend this entire, I could spend this entire edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network talking about the, 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 the easy things to point to to prove this was a stolen election and it's, and it's fishy, 
and I can talk about the deeper issues. But I want to talk more about what needs to be done now, what should be done and what shouldn't be done, and what's important now and what should be set aside. Now, the first thing I want to say very, very clearly, because the way things are now on the internet and the way things and the dishonesty that has just taken over our public discourse in this country. I have to make it clear here now that I don't want anyone to do anything illegal, dangerous, or violent in response to this stolen election. I'm going to say that one more time. No one should do anything illegal, violent, or dangerous in response to the stolen election. No one. I'm not advocating that. I'm not dog whistling it. I'm not hinting at it. I'm making it really clear. Don't do anything like that. What I do think needs to happen, though, is a decision here and, and, and a realization. The first thing that needs to happen is people need to come to one realization. Whether you care about Donald Trump or not personally, and I don't think that that's a requirement for anyone. Whether you care about him re- remaining president, a little bit more of a serious issue, but I don't think that, again, that is the number one thing. Those two things shouldn't matter as much as the third thing I'm about to say, which is are the integrity of the voting process, which is now in an absolute shambles. Now, a big reason for that is because of the vote-by-mail rules that were put into place because of COVID-19. And I'd like to be able to say that, that they will not be in place in the next major elections, either in 2022 or the next presidential election in 2024. But I'm not so sure that's going to happen now that the Democrats know that they can get away with massive voter fraud and irregularities due to vote-by-mail. I don't think they're going to give up on this one so easily. But we've got to, as a nation, get them to do that, or no one is going to trust these election results ever again. And then we don't have a country. If you don't have elections that people can trust, you don't have a democracy, you don't have a society, you don't have a republic. And we got to get that back. Now, whether that can be achieved without also having Donald Trump as president, I don't know. Because... If we're willing to accept this voter fraud now and say, yeah, go ahead, and we'll, we'll, we'll fight our battle in the next year or so to try to get rid of the vote by mail and the other fraudulent things that happened, but go ahead, Joe Biden, you can be president. I don't know if, that's, I don't know if you can have one without the other. And I don't know if you can have one and the other. I don't think you can have both. I'm not sure. Because if the Democrats know they've got an election won and it won't be overturned by the courts or anyone else or the state legislatures, who have the right to do so, by the way, in their states. If that doesn't happen, I'm not so sure they do anything to allow the vote integrity, you know, the, the voting integrity, our election integrity, to be, to be restored anytime soon. Anytime soon. So I'm not sure we can have one without the other. So for those of you who want to throw in the towel, or for those of you who think like, well, maybe we'll still get a Republican Senate, which, by the way, may not happen. There are still runoff elections in Georgia, and there is nothing to stop the Democrats from the same kind of fraud that they pulled in Georgia and other states in the presidential election in these elections as well. It's not, it's not a done deal that there's going to be a Republican Senate, because remember, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris become president and vice president officially, she will become, Kamala Harris will become the president of the Senate, which means that there's a 50-50 split in the Senate. She makes it 51-50 for the Democrats, and they can do almost anything anything with that kind of a split. They can pack the Supreme Court. They can do a lot of damage. 
They can make vote by mail, which is uncertified vote by mail, a, a permanent thing in this country. They can do all those things. So this really has to be something that we look at very closely as a country right now. How are we going to respond to this? This isn't really just about Donald Trump. It's hardly about him at all. He's not going to be, if he, you know, if somehow he gets back into the White House through some kind of court decisions or state legislatures by January 20th, it's still not going to change the fact that the election integrity needs to be restored. Without that, we don't have a country, we don't have a viable country. And I'm really, really glad we haven't had widespread violence. I haven't heard of any violence, actually. I think that that's fantastic. But it's not a happy thing to, to settle on to have no election process that we can trust. And again, not most of the people who are hearing this who are not Republicans and, and not Trump supporters are going to hear this and say, this is just a Republican partisan guy saying this. Let me make this very clear. I would much rather have Joe Biden have win an election clearly and in a landslide even than to win it like this, quote, win it like this in a what is just such a clearly stolen election. Now, again, if you're watching the mainstream media and even Fox and you're doing your general news gathering that you've done before in the past, you will think that some of these comments are not substantiated and you'll make a big deal. Maybe you'll even jump up and down about it. But folks, there is no arguing. I, I don't want to get into a long-term argument about proving the election was stolen and disputed and, 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 and fraudulent. It's all of those things. And if one side is going to say we're not going to listen to any of the evidence or we're going to try to cover up the evidence or we're going to try to demonize anyone who says so, then there's no point in having that conversation. And that's what's going on throughout a lot of the country right now. We must, must have our election integrity restored. Again, I don't know if we can have that without Donald Trump being president. I don't, think th- I don't know if you can prove that there was massive fraud going on and try to stop it going forward without also having the election, the so-called election results overturned. I don't know if you can have one without the other. Now, there will be decisions to be made by the state legislatures, like, for example, the state legislature in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin and, and, and Michigan, all of whom are Republican-controlled and who conceivably could say, we are not going to certify the election results here. We are not going to send electors for Joe Biden to Washington to the Electoral College. We are either going to revote, we're either going to, we're going to do something else. Do I think that the, any of the state legislatures will do that? Probably not. I think the chances of that are almost zero. Will the Supreme Court step in and nullify some of the election results or some of the votes? Possibly, but we don't even know if the states will comply. We know that the Pennsylvania, for some reason, the Pennsylvania Board of Elections in a state that has a Democrat governor and a Democrat attorney general, they have not complied with the Supreme Court's orders so far. I don't know why they would do so going forward. So I don't know how this is going to get fixed right now. I do know that if it, isn't get, if it doesn't get fixed, the country is in a very precarious, very, very dangerous place. Will most Americans, even Trump voters, swallow their pride and not violently react? Sure. Will, they ever tr- will most Americans trust the election, the, you know, the, our election process going forward? No, they won't. And that means we're going to have real problems going forward in this country in every election. And that's a huge problem. Now, I want to talk a little bit about history here because this is not the first time we've had a, on its face, clearly stolen election for president. Now, I know a lot of you hearing me say this are probably thinking, oh, Jake's talking about 
that 2000 election when there were the butterfly ballots in Boca Raton and where all those places in Florida when George Bush won Florida by like 600 votes. That's what he's talking about. No, I'm actually not talking about that. Because as much as I agree that the ballot situation in Florida was messed up in 2000, and as much as I agree, I agree that it's crazy that fewer than a thousand votes decided the presidency that time in one state. I agree with all those things. There's also no doubt in my mind that from a legal standpoint, from ballots in hand, George W. Bush won that election. And let me tell you something. I didn't vote for him that time. This is not a partisan statement on my part. I wanted Al Gore to be president in 2000 and I voted for him. But even at that point, I remember telling my father-in-law, I believe that in my heart, most of the floor, you know, people in Florida probably – a lot of them who voted for George W. Bush probably didn't mean to. But that's not the way it works. Legally, I believe that George W. Bush had won that election as maddening as it was. So that's not the election I'm talking about. That was not a stolen election. That was a messed up election in one state, absolutely. But that was not a stolen election. Now, the election I'm talking about, for those of you who are a little bit more – knowledgeable or remember your history is the election of 1876. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to talk about this election, and it's more than just the fact that it was a stolen election. But I'm going to give you some of the particulars of that election. That was the election from Rutherford B. Hayes, who was the Republican nominee, against Samuel Tilden, who was from New York, by the way, the Democrat. 1876 was that election. There's almost no historian worth his or her salt who will tell you that that election was legitimate. It was stolen by the Republicans for Rutherford B. Hayes became president. It was stolen. There are, again, many instances and proof and, and, and proofs for it. You can look it up on the internet if you'd like. It was a stolen election. So what happened there? There, were, there, were, there was a big dispute. So how do they resolve that dispute without the country breaking into a civil war without a huge problem? Well, the answer is they made a compromise. The Republicans knew that if they just grabbed the presidency for, for Rutherford B. Hayes and didn't offer something to Samuel Tilden and the Democrats, or the Democrats in general, there would be a chance for massive violence. There would be a chance for another civil war because the country was only 11 years removed from the civil war that had killed half a million people. And they didn't want that. So what did they do? What happened was the Republicans came to the Democrats and said, all this Reconstruction stuff that's been going on in the South, where there have been black members of Congress and black senators, where the federal government has really had tre- tremendous control over things going on there, where the president at the time, because in 1876 he was still in office, President Grant has sent federal troops to, to, to put down the KKK. We're going to stop all that. And we're going to start giving you guys much more jurisdiction over your black population. You're now free slaves. You can't make them slaves again. We're not going to let you do that. But we're going to let you do things like the Jim Crow laws. We're going to let you make it very difficult for them to vote, let alone run for office. And that's the little deal we're going to make. And the South said yes. The Democrats said yes. Again, remember, at the time, the Democrats, up until the 1960s, really, the Democrats dominated the, the American South. And they were okay with that. They liked that deal. Of course, it left the people who were already still the most vulnerable population in the country, the, back, the black population, they got to lose twice. They got to lose all the, all the gains they had made since the end of the Civil War, and they were once again put in a position of never being able to get ahead in the American, in all those southern states. That was the compromise. 
It was no compromise, of course, for justice. It was a compromise. It was basically one injustice, and a compromise was to put another injustice on top of it. Talk about two wrongs not making a right. You had the wrong of the Republicans stealing the 1876 election for Rutherford B. Hayes, and you had the other wrong of the compromise being made to keep the Democrats at bay, uh, let them can go start their whole segregation laws, let them get rid of all the uh, elected black leaders there, let them basically start putting the, you know, the, the black people into a terrible position once again legally in the South. That, so that was what we got out of that stolen election. And so I'm very, very worried, folks, that we're going to have something else like that go on here, although I don't see any compromises going on. I don't see the Democrats making any deals with Republicans or Trump supporters. I don't see that happening. What I think we may have is one injustice over yet another. What that will be, I'm not sure. I don't want to be a fatalist here and start thinking of all the really worst-case scenarios that can come out of a stolen election like this. I am worried that saying what I just said is going to become a crime in this country. I think that there's a good chance that people who post on Facebook or Twitter are are going to get more than just censored if they say this was a stolen election in the coming months and years. I'm worried about that. I would really hate for that to happen. I'm afraid that there's going to be some very, very tough positions. People are going to be put in some really, really tough positions when it comes to the vote-by-mail thing. I think the Republicans actually what we might get out of it. Let, let me posit this one scenario. I don't want to again. I don't want to be a fatalist. I don't want to talk about all kinds of horrible things that could happen. But one thing that I am worried that could happen is that Republicans will look at this election and they will say, "Okay, next time we'll cheat too. Next time we'll print up. We'll start ba- what's called ballot harvesting. That's when people from one party go from block to block in areas where they think they have a lot of voters, and they just basically get them to sign off on a bunch of ballots. They put them in a box." because they know those ballots could possibly be challenged for not being so uh, on the up and up, and then they produce them on election night or election in the morning after if they need them. And that's clearly what happened in places like Michigan and Wisconsin, where boxes of tens of thousands of votes for Biden just suddenly showed up after midnight in both of those states. That's called ballot harvesting. Technically, it's legal. There's actually a Democrat in Congress who's, try, who's, uh, who's um, proposed a bill to make ballot harvesting illegal. And by the way, I think that that is a cause everyone should take up. Ballot harvesting should be illegal. It's not, it's not voting uh, with, with intent or with purpose or with real knowledge of, uh, of anything. People should, if they want to vote, they should request an absentee ballot if they can't vote in person. But most importantly, they should vote in person. We have the technology. We have the know-how to do this. And it's not being done for political reasons. It's being done, it's, it's being blocked because people want to cheat. So I am afraid that actually the result of this election, stolen election, will be more stolen elections. Maybe this time on behalf of the Republicans. I certainly don't put it past them. Politicians are politicians. And again, if we do not restore some form of integrity to our voting system, we will not have a country. We'll be in a very dangerous place. Because the thing about voting is, is, as agonizing as it is, and as annoying as elections are, they're kind of like court cases, right? They're kind of like lawsuits. At least it beats the alternative. If we're going to decide our disputes politically in elections, at least that's relatively peaceful. Because the other alternative is to go and shoot each other and to have a war. And we don't want that. 
And it's like the old, if you remember watching the People's Court in the, in the 70s and the 80s, the old joke, you know, the old line they had about how, hey, you know, if you ever, if you got a problem with someone, don't take the law into your own hands. You take them to court, the People's Court, right? Okay, now that's, a, you know, people, it's kind of a joke now when you say it, but, you know, it, there's a point there, right? When somebody does you wrong, there is a natural inclination to, you know, go punch them in the nose or something, right? And we don't want to have that. So we, we say, let's have a court case instead, right? Obviously, this goes down to the, to the, the roots of our, of our tradition, our Jewish tradition, where we, where we talked about, in, you know, in, in the Torah, it talks about how we start, we, we resolve things in, 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 a, in a more civilized manner, as opposed to punching each other out and doing things like that. But if we take away the election integrity and people start not believing in them, then they will start to resolve their differences in a less peaceful manner. We just know that's going to happen. And we don't want that to happen, which is why we've got to get election integrity back somehow. Somehow. I don't know how we're going to do it. But I can tell you that that's the cause worth taking up for. Donald Trump's personal fortunes are not the cause worth sacrificing things for. But again, I don't know if we can get the thing that is worth sacrificing for, which is election integrity, without having him as president. I don't know if we can do that. Maybe in a great world, maybe that would be a compromise where we say to ourselves, it's terrible that a guy who got an election stolen from him isn't president, but at least we know it won't ever happen again because now we have election integrity. But I don't think that that is actually a scenario that makes much sense from a realistic point of view. I don't know if you could have one without the other. If everyone's going to agree that there was a stolen election and that the votes weren't counted properly and that there was ballot box stuffing and the whole thing, and then we're not going to let the guy be the actual president who won based on, on reality, I don't know if you can have one without the other. What I'm more afraid of is that other scenario I just spoke of. I'm more afraid that Republicans will now look at this and instead of demanding some kind of electoral and election integrity, they'll just start cheating themselves. They'll, they'll, they'll do it too. You know, two can play at that game. Why they didn't do it already, I don't know. I don't know if they were just naive or if they were trying to be slightly more ethical than the Democrats. I don't know. But why they didn't ballot harvest, why they didn't print up a bunch of vote-by-mail stuff for the Republicans, I don't know. I'm glad they didn't. It's better to live in a country that you know, has fewer crooks than, than more. But you got to wonder why they didn't do that. But that's a question that some, maybe someone else can answer for me. But the folks, <laughs> this isn't working out. And, of course, for those of you who are listening who know the, situa- the political situation in Israel, there's a similar problem there in that their elections aren't having any resolution. Now, I don't think there's been voter fraud in Israel at all, and that's great. But they also haven't really been able to resolve their political issues in any kind of a sem- – you know, in any real way, in a way that will last more than a, a year at a time. They had three elections in, in, you know, in the course of, of 12 months in Israel. They couldn't decide – really, where the country was going to go. And that is another issue there, but at least it wasn't about fraud. At least it wasn't about massive destruction of the voting process. What you have in Israel is an inability for, for groups to compromise, and you have all the weaknesses of a parliamentary system in what is still relatively a tiny country. And yet they still can't unify on any, in any meaningful way, way politically right now. I think on security and on... on, on existential issues, the Israeli public is much more unified than the American public is. That's for sure. But when it comes to political compromise, this, this just doesn't exist in Israel either. And that's a huge problem. I, I, I want to make it clear again that 
there's not much to do in this instance other than to make it clear that this is something that the American people need and want to have. But the problem is you've got half the voting public that is going to claim there is no problem. Half the voting public will say that there was absolutely no voter fraud. Half the voting public will say there wasn't any real major irregularities in this election. And the, and almost all, if not all, the mainstream news media, and, and really, and including Fox, will, will, will back that up. Will back that up. And so now we're in a very, very dangerous situation. Now, the last few moments here on Novak, now here on the Nachum Siegel Network, I want to talk a little bit about that last point I made about all the news media outlets and what's going on there. Because this is something that if you don't understand, you're not going to understand, you'll be very much in the dark about what the heck's going on with networks like Fox and, and, and outlets like the Wall Street Journal and other places that used to be more of a conservative, you know, stalwarts. I'm going to start by saying something really really probably harsh for some people who might hear it for the first time, but it has to be said to really understand it. The American news media and the media in general is now really controlled by three major entities, and they're the only ones. It's Google, it's Facebook, and it's Twitter. For all the newspapers out there, including the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, for all the networks out there, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and Fox, for all the other content generators in this country, and I, and I say this as one of them, we are all at the mercy of Google, Facebook, and Twitter. If Google doesn't boost your content, if, if Google, or conversely, if Google debases and, or, 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 or basically suspends or weakens your content, keeps it from being seen easily on search engines and found, if Twitter and Facebook shadow ban you, as they say, or do the same thing. In other words, just make it really hard for, you, for it to be found. Or if they outright censor you, take you out. You cannot make it in the news media business, no matter how powerful your newspaper or television network is. doesn't matter. They're all at the mercy of Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And this has been true for several years now, but it's become very, very clear just in the last year or so because networks like Fox have suddenly realized this as well. And they know that if they come off to be too pro-Trump, if they know if they come off promoting the truth about this election, which is that it was you know, not legitimate, that they will be deplatformed or at least shadow banned or they will not be as easily found thanks to the work of the folks at Google, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, again, you don't have to take my word for it, folks. Take a look at the lawsuits. There were attempts by major news organizations, the Wall Street Journal in particular, and a few, and the New York Times, just a few years ago to try to fight back against this incredible power that Google had over whether or not people saw their content. Apple was involved in this as well. And they lost because I, I, I don't care what the court said or what settlement they made. You can read all about it, but what happened was Google, Twitter, and Facebook, and their power was basically confirmed. And if you are not in their good graces, no matter how great your newspaper is, no matter how many real journalists you have, you're in trouble. That's why real journalism doesn't have to be supported by a Twitter or Facebook. They can censor an article saying, well, this isn't proven yet, not understanding that a lot of what journalism is is not documented and proven. It's reporting a story. Think of a breaking story and how often it changes during the course of an hour as it comes out. 
And if you are somebody who can say, well, that's not proven yet, I'm not going to publish it at all, so we don't find out about something like, for example, a shooter or a fire or something like that going on because it's not been confirmed yet. Think about how ludicrous that would be for a real news organization. But folks, I want you to understand that's what's going on as well, and that is why it's going to be very difficult for us to even get this message out in the coming weeks. But it must get out because, again, if we don't have an election system that has any integrity, which is where I think we are right now, we really don't have a stable country. I hope that it remains at least nonviolent. Let's keep it that way, those of us who are listening, but let's hope that continues. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.